0: Another thing, you know, I think people think that be- a woman couldn't be commander in chief of the army because she'd be afraid to kill you if she had to. I don't think it's so. She'd kill you, just not in ways in which you're accustomed to seeing people get killed, that's all. I mean, she wouldn't use a boat or a tank or a plane. That wouldn't be her style. It'd be too obvious. Thinking back, I'd say if a woman really wanted to kill you, she might just get to know you first, then after a while, have you do it to yourself. <laughs> now, I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you
1: again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're our teenage guest. It's Jackie now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful...
0: look. Did that? I've heard it all before. It's like
1: deja vu all over again.
0: Thursday, June 8th, 2023. You are at jcontheline.com. I'm not going to lie to you. This might be a short podcast today because I am losing my voice. Now, I'm still on a lot of drugs, and uh, if you <laughs> if you haven't been following along here for the last couple of days, on um, Sunday afternoon, I happened to notice that uh, when I was going wee-wee, what was coming out was uh, oddly shaded. It had an odd color and tint to it. I didn't really think too much about it until a couple hours later when this time it got real bad. My experiences in the past have been that when that happens, when something like that, and maybe not necessarily that specifically, but when something is going wrong with your plumbing, you got to go in. You got to go in right away because those things don't get any better. They get worse. And so I went to the urgent care place and it took them a while to figure out what was wrong with me. And they started ruling things out one by one. And finally, it's, you know, it's getting late. It's uh, 10, 11 o'clock on Sunday night. And they finally walk in and they go, got another kidney stone. Have you ever had them before? I'm like, I've had eight, and she looked at me like eight. By the way, I have a one-armed doctor there. It's a woman who has one arm. I didn't have the guts to ask her what happened to the other arm, but she's a fine doctor, so I don't care. This is one that I noticed when she puts on the rubber gloves. She actually puts a rubber glove on the stump. Her her arm ends about mid bicep, okay, and she puts a glove on her hand and then puts a glove on the stump. You know, but who am I to criticize, right? So anyhow, she says, so I think you get another kidney stone. You have eight in the past. Now, yeah, this this all stopped, though, about 19 years ago. I was getting them, like, in some cases, twice a year. And if you've ever had a kidney stone, you know what I'm talking about. And for women, your plumbing is not exactly the same as men's. And sometimes women will say something to the effect of, oh, yeah, You guys have kidney stones. You're always complaining. It's like the same pain as having a baby. And I always say, well, after eight of these, maybe if you're giving birth to a bag of glass shards, maybe I would agree with you. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't. Regardless... So like, yeah, it's a, probably a kidney stone, but we're going to have to transfer you to a hospital. So now it's about midnight, and the ambulance shows up. I'm like, I can't just drive there myself. No, because once you sign in here, you're under our care, and if something were to happen, heaven forbid, it would be our responsibility. So I go outside. There's two guys waiting in the ambulance. They take me to the hospital. By the time I got like you know fully processed, and everything. Keep in mind, this all started about 8 o'clock on Sunday night. Now it's 1.30 in the morning. And all I'm thinking in the back of my head is, I'm supposed to start my 39th, <laughs> my 39th anniversary week of highlights in about six hours. And it starts to become clearly apparent to me that that is not going to happen. And now I'm just more concerned about my health. What is going on? There's blood coming out of things that's not supposed to come out of. And that's when you find out That areas of your body traditionally seen as exits are now entry points. And I'm telling you, I looked like one of those Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade inflatables. I had wires coming down off me like you wouldn't believe. I had a heart monitor. I had a blood pressure monitor. For some reason, they put me on oxygen because my oxygen level was dropping. And you hear a lot of mumbling off in the corner. Like, well, you know, at his age. And that's the first time I've ever heard anything like that, where they start bringing up my age. And I guess that's just something we all got to deal with. You reach a point where maybe simple medical issues suddenly take on more gravity because you're not 25 anymore. Now, of course, they put the IV in and the things, everything's Beeping all over the place, and you just get settled in. You just get to the point where, okay, I'm in the bed, I'm in my room, I gotta get some sleep. It's two o'clock in the morning. And that's when the other nurse comes in and goes, okay, can you get yourself onto this gurney from where you are? I'm like, where are we going? Oh, you gotta have a CT scan. Oh, okay. And it's the one with the dye where they squirt something into your IV, and all of a sudden your whole body gets really, really warm, and you feel like you are peeing, but you're not. It's just an odd sensation that your body starts to get when they use dye. And if none of this has ever happened to you before, man, you should count your blessings because this is, you know, borderline barbaric and almost medieval the way they do this stuff. So they finally get all that done, and now it's like, well, now I'll go back to your room and sleep. It's like two thirty in the morning, so I'm laying there with all these wires and attachments and all this sort of stuff, and I and just go off into la-la land. And at three o'clock in the morning. Another nurse comes in to check my vital signs. I'm like, couldn't you have done this a half an hour ago? I was just going into dreamland here. Okay, fine. I'm not dead. Blood pressure is elevated because I'm in a lot of pain. Would you like something for the pain? Yeah, I was hoping you would have asked me that about three hours ago, but yeah, pump something in there. I'd like to try to get some sleep. I don't think I can really do it with the amount of pain that I'm in. Now, at this point, I should probably tell you, one of my closest friends in St. Louis um, recently, in recent years has had uh, some real, very, very serious health issues. They had to actually change out all of his blood. He's doing fine now, but things were very, very scary for a little while. And he has a policy that when we talk, we can talk for ten minutes. About health stuff, and then we have to move on to something else. And I think it's a good policy to have because otherwise, you end up like uh, two Jewish men on a park bench, you know, just sitting there complaining about their lumbago. So that's what I'm going to try to do here. I'm going to try and cut this as short as I can, <laughs> but there's a lot going on. So, long and the short of it is that you know they were trying to get the uh, trying to get the kidney stone out. It wouldn't move, and then at one point it did start moving. You want to talk about pain? When the doctor comes in. We're going to do a procedure tomorrow afternoon, one o'clock. We'll get that thing out of there. They do a you know, total, complete anesthetic. Uh, you wake up out of the thing. You're back in your room. And like, did you get it? Yeah, we got it out. But now you got to recover, and your whole insides have been torn apart by the kidney stone, and now by the procedure. And there's just a lot of blood, and there still is, by the way, because they left in me a stent that's, I don't know, they said like seven, eight inches long. It goes from your kidney down into your bladder, and that's still in there. And I got to get that taken out in about 10 days. And I'm very concerned about that because the question is, how are you going to take it out? And I'm afraid, but I know. Let's just leave it at that. Give me another great opportunity to reject hospital food. Yesterday morning, my breakfast was quiche which I do not eat, coffee, which I do not drink, and grits, which frighten me. So man, was I happy to get out of there finally yesterday afternoon, and now we're back in the saddle, and jeez. So that's nine, nine for those of you playing along at home, nine kidney stones that JC has had. I get one more kidney stone, and I think I get a free Subway sandwich but as you're going to hear, my voice is thinning out and getting very gravelly. I'm getting a little concerned about that. And the only way that you can make that stop is to stop talking. So that's what we're going to do here in a little while. But I wanted to bring you up to date on what was going on. And then you're going to hear a conversation I had last week with Robin Taylor Zander. And if you're saying to yourself, Robin Zander, that sounds like the guy in Cheap Trick. That's who it is, sort of. And I'll get to that here in just a couple of seconds. How about that ball game last night? There are people who can't see the beauty of a one to nothing game. Jack Flaherty loads the bases in the first inning against Texas last night 29 pitchers get out of the first inning you're thinking to yourself here we go again and then you got this John Gray who struck out 12 redbirds last night he almost threw a perfect game against us but then Alec Burleson came up and he said no 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 this is getaway day we're going back home no 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 fucking extra innings for me tonight bang Hits one into the first row of the right field stands, and I mean first row. Let's just say the distance out there was 340 feet. This guy hit it 341 feet. That was it, but it was good enough. Ryan Helsley closes. Cardinals went it one to nothing. Cincinnati in for the weekend. A lot of people wondering whether... Any of this tumult would be occurring if Mike Schultz was still the manager of this team. And then you had a couple of games smoked out last night. And initially, you started to see all these people going, oh, we got a bunch of pussies playing Major League Baseball. Get out there and play the game. And then they turned on their TV, and from home play, you could barely see the scoreboard. Then, they're like, oh, (laughs) just a suggestion, but... Sometimes it's a good idea to know what the fuck you're talking about before you sit down at your keyboard and get on social media. The bullshit is going to start here again because St. Louis is the third largest market that does not have an NDA franchise. We're behind Tampa and Seattle, and there have been some rumblings about an expansion team or two. Speaking of rumblings, Cardinals might be interested in Cleveland starter Shane Bieber, And Cleveland supposedly interested in Brendan Donovan, Matt Libertor, and I guess the Cardinals would toss in Tyler O'Neill, who right now doesn't have much trade value because he's been hurt all the time. He's so strong and he's so muscular. The guy is just like Popeye. It's the nickname they used to have for Steve Garvey back in the 70s. But But, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily good for a baseball player to be built like that. It's not football. It's baseball. It's a whole different set of muscles that you use, and you use them in a different way. So, I don't know. This was supposed to be the breakout year for Tyler O'Neill. by the way. At the beginning of the season, the Cardinals made it very obvious that they were expecting big things this year from Tyler O'Neill, and we're not getting it because he's hurt. I don't think anybody is happy with this PGA merger with the Live guys. That's a no-win situation. After 14 seasons, Panger going back to Chicago to be part of the Blackhawks TV team. Somebody posted a video of a guy at a Cleveland Guardians game eating ballpark mustard straight from the tub with a wooden spoon. You thought St. Louis was boring. (laughs) You're living in Cleveland. What do you do to make things interesting? Anybody got a camera? Watch what I'm going to do. And, of course, the big Big story. Well, there's two of them. They've made it uh, official now. They are investigating Donald Trump. He's probably going to get indicted here sometime before the summer is over. And I don't know, what would you do to fix CNN? They fired Chris Lick yesterday. This guy had a uh, pretty good track record up until now. He fixed Morning Joe. He fixed the CBS Morning News. He was uh, running Colbert's show. And so CNN came along and said, "Uh, we need you to fix the place. And he said, sure. But running a couple of shows, almost in a producer and creative capacity, seems to me to be awfully different from being the president of the entire network. And you get the idea that this guy was in over his head from day one. And so now what do you do? Saw some really interesting figures. CNN generally profits about 1.25 billion dollars a year, okay? So, 1 and a quarter billion dollars a year of profit for CNN. This year they're down to about 700 million and they're anticipating they could drop as low as 500 million from 1.25 billion to a half a billion. That's a huge drop. And you look at the TV now, I mean, okay, they've done so much damage. But, you know, you still have Anderson Cooper. Got to be, you know, still one of the best journalists we have working right now. But the people who liked CNN because they didn't bother with things like Donald Trump, they're all mad. And the MAGA crowd, they might go over for the news conference or for the town hall, but they're not going to go back. So that whole exercise seemed sort of stupid, if you want to know something. So, you know, I'm not sure where to go from this point forward. And I remember back in the 80s, particularly the early 80s, you know, sometimes I'd come home on a Friday afternoon, come home from work, and I would have CNN on all weekend and never change the channel. And you had guys like uh, Bernard Shaw and Lou, uh, oh, God, what was his name? Not Lou Dobbs, the other Lou. John Holloman was his name. Then, you know, when the Persian Gulf War broke out, Wow. I mean, those guys, Wolf Blitzer and those guys were holed up in the hotel and giving us for the first time real time video of the shock and awe stuff that was going on during the Persian Gulf War. I mean, if you remember during that Persian Gulf War, when it broke out, you know, all the TV channels were covering it wall to wall, nonstop, Charles Jaco was out there from St. Louis, and were working for CNN at the time. And then uh, when it finally got to the weekend, there was a new Saturday Night Live schedule, and everyone was like, well, what's Saturday Night Live going to do? You can't really make jokes. And Mike Myers and Dana Carvey said, oh yeah? Hold my anthrax.
1: Saturday Night Live will be seen immediately following this excellent report.
0: You are watching Cable 10, Aurora, Illinois Community Access Channel.
1: special report i'm your excellent and informed host wayne campbell with me as always is garth party on wayne party on garth okay for the last 72 hours all we've been doing is watching television coverage of the war in the gulf non-stop we haven't been out of this basement in three days (laughs) we got three sets down here man it's a media circus one set is on cnn one set is on nbc and one's on abc we didn't even bother with cbs because i'm sorry their coverage sucks. Dan Rather, not. (laughs) Okay, we've been surviving on a diet of Pizza Hot Pizza and Jolt Cola, so we're a little fried. Yeah, man! (laughs) But we're riding a humongoid caffeine and sugar buzz. I mean, I could bend spoons with my mind. <laughs> I'm so tired that for a while there, I was starting to hallucinate, man. At about 4 in the morning, Garrett Utley started to look like an alien. I just wanted to grab his big head and go, Aah! Okay. Our job tonight is more to inform than to entertain, because after 72 hours of non-stop, three-set, intense watching, I mean, we got so sucked into the coverage, and we didn't even bother to go upstairs. I mean, we just whizzed in the laundry room sink, you know. (laughs) So, I don't mean to be conceited, but we are now experts in the field of military hardware and media coverage. All right, Garth, quiz me. All right, what is the range and speed of the Patriot missile? All right, the MIM-104 Patriot, a surface-to-air missile with a range of 37 miles at a speed of Mach 3, primarily used against aircraft, yes, but battle-tested for the first time against Scuds. He shoots his Scuds! Excellent! All right, okay, now it's time for the best-worst list of media coverage
0: worst, best worst time, excellent. Woo! Okay,
1: alright. A- okay, best name of a correspondent. Brit Hume, ABC. Jeez, I wish that was my name. It sounds like James Bond, you know? Hume. Brit Hume. Alright. Congratulations, good work, my friend. Okay. Okay, worst name. CNN Pentagon correspondent Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> right? It's so obvious the guy made it up for the war. Yeah. I
0: mean,
1: it's, like, I know. <laughs> it's like, hi, we now take you to our war correspondent, Howitzer Explosion Guy. <laughs> okay, best military hardware name, Scud. S-scud. Scud! Scud! A Soviet-made short-range ballistic missile with a speed of Mach 1 and a range of 300 miles. Good work, my friend. Excellent. You know, the first time I heard the word scud, I thought it was like, you know when you see, like, a really pretty chick walking down the street, you know, about 30 feet away, and you go, hello, babe alert, right? But when you get closer, you go, oh, my God, she's a scud. You know, it's just like the missiles, right? You've got medium range chick scuds and long range chick scuds. It's brutal. All right, worst map. Nightline, ABC. What were they thinking? No, it's like a sandbox. I built a volcano in the third grade that looked better. Okay, best video the Pentagon smart bomb tape. You know, the one that's so accurate it goes through the door? You know, the bomb that goes knock, knock. Who's there? Ka. Kahoo. Ka boom! Okay, worst, going to commercial war theme. CNN, man. It was just a bunch of drums. Hey, spend some money. It's a war. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. All right, best haircut, Ted Koppel. It looks natural. Not! <laughs> side part! Side, side part. part! Watch what? the wind, t- Line in a network program. Okay, easy. Live from New York. It's Saturday night!
0: You know, it just reminded me I was having a conversation with Dennis Miller. A couple of months after that happened, and he was talking about how cathartic that was, not only for everybody on the staff of SNL, but also for the country, because you know we were basically doing the same thing. We were holed up in our houses. You're afraid you're going to miss something. A lot of people sleeping with the TV on because these things would be happening in the middle of the night. You don't want to miss anything. And yeah, if you had Jolt Cola and Ho Hos, and you're just you know get your face pressed against the screen we weren't that much different from Wayne and Garth and then on Saturday night along come you know these two guys who were like we gotta make some jokes I just thought they did tremendous work on that thing But that was a long time ago and CNN's got big big problems and you wonder what in the hell are they gonna do to bounce back all right birthdays today for women who sometimes are stymied by the question what it is what it is that men want? What do guys want? We I don't know. I just don't know what men want. Maria Menunos, formerly of Entertainment Tonight and Access Hollywood, is 45 today. That's what men want. Kanye, bipolar rap star, 46. Gabrielle Gifford, shot in the head. The Arizona Congress is 53. Juliana Margulies, the good wife and ER, 57. Keenan Ivory Wayans is 65, Bonnie Tyler, 72, Boz Skaggs. Saw him open for Steely Dan about 10 years ago at the Fox. Man, was he good, and the audience was just loving him, and he seemed a little stunned by the reaction that he was getting. He was having a good night, and he was just sort of looking around like, "Geez, i got to come here more often. And the guy who had a $2,000 a day Coke habit, Back in the 70s, Chuck Negron from Three Dog Night, 81. Nancy Sinatra, 83. And Joan Rivers would have had a birthday today. She was born in 1933. Do the morning show on the new radio station, K-Wolf, at 101.5 in St. Louis. 101.7 101.7 out of the westplex and beyond and we do rock and americana and we play a little bit of new music here and there too and robin taylor zander is the son of robin Xander of cheap track and as you'll hear in this conversation he's been uh filling in, doing backup, and now that has spawned his own musical career, and he's recorded some really, really good stuff on his new album. This wouldn't be Robin Taylor Zander, would it? Yes, sir, it would be. Robin, how old were you when you began as a little kid to understand that daddy was a little different than the other dads?
2: Um, Probably in grade school when we had our our parents come and uh, do the the Great American Teaching. Um, he came in and, and brought his guitar and, and told everyone what he did. And, and then when, you know, everyone else went to their dads and, and and mothers and stuff, you know, it was like, uh, well, they, they work for a a law firm or they're an accountant or they're a dentist. So then I realized, oh, so this isn't like a common occurrence, you know? So that's probably when I first realized.
0: Kids are mean. Did you have trouble as a kid at all with uh, shall we say certain people who made trouble for you because they were jealous?
2: Oh, um, not really. I mean, uh, I mean, you you have to kind of deal with that in general in life, but uh to the most part, you know, for the most part, no. I think I had a pretty easy upbringing. Um my dad was actually out of town for half the year when I was growing up, so um I was mostly at home with my mom and sister and um, you know, during the summers when I was off school, I was able to go hang out with dad and um it just felt like kind of a normal kind of thing for me. I I didn't really get anybody who was too jealous or anything like that.
0: So you never really considered doing anything else for a living, did you?
2: No, when I was a kid, I, you know, grew up watching um Cheap Trick play, uh, you know, live and there's such a great live band. It would kind of it was kind of built into me that I'd want to perform music in some way shape or form. So, um I I knew from an early age that that was what I was going to be and what I was going to do.
0: That was the whole thing. Cheap Trick always said, "We're going to be the best live band." You must have picked up on that at a very early age, and how has that sort of translated into what you're doing? Not only contributing to Cheap Trick, but also your solo career.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm definitely, um, I'm aware that they that they're a really good live band, just because I grew up around it, and um, that kind of inspired. Uh, my musical upbringing because uh, you don't get a chance to see a band like that go night after night, play, you know, in front of those people and do it so well. And they've been doing it since 1974, you know, and, and they have three of the four original members still in the band. So, um, you know, that's pretty rare. I, I definitely was, uh, I don't take it for granted that I I was able to soak that all up as a kid. Um, definitely influenced my um, current musical upbringing.
0: Want to talk about your new album, The Distance. Uh, we're playing high and low and probably going to get to some other stuff here on K-Wolf. The uh, inspiration you've talked about is a little bit of Beach Boys, a little bit of Beatles, a little bit of the Bee Gees. I got to be careful how I say this. Your music can be very, very pretty and there's nothing wrong with that and it seems to be something that is getting lost on some of the new music bands that are out there right now like you got to do something else than really really make music that is really enjoyable to listen to just talk about those inspira- i mean this if brian wilson put his name on high and low, nobody would question it. That's how strong that influence is. Just talk about all that for a minute.
2: Oh, well, I, I, love, I love Brian Wilson. I, I mean, that's one of my main influences growing up as a kid. Um, getting, digging into my parents' record collection, I, I listened to a lot of British Invasion. I listened to a lot of Beatles and uh, The Kinks and The Who and The Rolling Stones. I listened to a lot of Beach Boys. Um, so you can hear that in the record. For sure. Um, stuff like high and low, very strong uh, vocal melodies that, you know, they kind of harken back to that era of uh, music. So. I, it's not really intentional it's just kind of what i listened to at the time and a lot of these songs are just born from that inspiration so um yeah I've, i mean that's a huge compliment i love i love brian wilson
0: speaking of all that what's the significance of the title of the album the distance
2: well it's really not significant it was just the title of uh, of one of the songs and quite simply it sounded like a good title for a record and, uh, <laughs> the guy, that that was pretty much it. it it doesn't have a meaning really other than what the song means um but you know the the idea came from me and the co-producer who's uh, kenny siegel um he runs a studio called old soul studios in catskill new york and so we went up there for about a month and um we tracked everything uh started with you know Piano or guitar on every song, and then kind of just layered everything from there. I play all the instruments: uh, drums, bass, piano. All the vocals are me, so it's very much a representation of what um, what I'm into.
0: And by the way, that brings up an interesting point because you've been filling in for Rick Nielsen, filling all all different places in Cheap Trick because you can play everything. And so somebody gets sick, somebody's got a cold, somebody's got the flu, whatever. And you know, you don't want to cancel the tour. You don't want to uh you know cancel any of the shows. And in slides Robin Taylor Xander, yeah, I can play drums. Yeah, I can do this. I can do that. I mean that must have been really fun.
2: Well that's how I first started playing with them in the first place was uh back in twenty seventeen, uh the drummer Dax was having his first kid with his wife and so uh they asked if I could fill in on drums and That was uh, November 2017, and after that, when Dax came back, I uh, was asked to stick around basically and be a permanent member of the touring band and play rhythm guitar and background vocals. So... That's my official um, job title. But, yeah, I've uh, filled in for everyone except for my dad. I filled in for Tom when he had heart surgery in in, uh, 2021. I filled in for Rick when he was sick last year for a couple months. And um, so, yeah, I've, I've pretty much played every position.
0: Now, I want to tell you something that I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but, you know, when I was working and living in northern Illinois in the upper Midwest And, you know, this was uh, in the 70s. And Cheap Trick was just sort of coming out into the music scene. And anybody who spent time driving around in northern Illinois knows that you have a lot of toll roads. And back then, the toll roads, you had toll Booth baskets and you would take your 30 cents and just shoot it into the basket. Now it's all different, but back then you needed to have you know a quarter and a nickel and boom and you would toss it in and then keep driving. Somebody with the band, I don't know if it was an enthusiast or somebody actually with the band, there was not a toll booth basket in all of north central Illinois that did not have a cheap trick sticker on on that basket. So you would <laughs> you would take your 30 cents and literally do a bank shot off of the cheap trick bumper sticker which was above the basket where the money then goes down. Were you even aware of that? I bring it up because, you know, it's one thing to be a musician, to make some good music, but then you got to get out there and you got to sell it. And now obviously we live in the internet era and social media and everything like that. The job, the job is taken on so many different dimensions. How do you handle all that?
2: Well, that I've never heard Heard of that one, but that's—I'm gonna have to ask my dad about that. Please that do, please like do. People, <laughs> it must have been people in the management or uh, even the band, maybe doing that on the road.
0: It was one of the great guerrilla-level campaigns. For a band that I've ever seen, I'm telling you, Robin, you could not find a toll booth that didn't have a cheap trick sticker on the basket.
2: That's amazing. That's great. There's still people that do that. Uh, up and coming artists, you know, those people that put they put their uh, their band posters for their their gig they're playing, you know, and they, they they paste them up on uh, on walls and bulletin boards and and light posts. I mean, that's still the guerrilla way of promoting a band is still alive and well. So. But yeah, I, I
0: love that story. It's great. All right. So, what's uh, in store for Robin Taylor Xander for the summer of 2023?
2: So um, we're doing uh, Cheap Tricks, doing a bunch of dates with Rod Stewart. And um, in between those dates, when I have dates off, I'll be doing some gigs with my band. It'll just be called Robin Taylor Zander. And uh, we're going to be doing some dates in the south, um, up in the northeast, hopefully in the Midwest. And um, if you go onto my website, robintaylorzander.com, we'll have all that info um, in real time posted so everyone can check out and see when I'll be out next.
0: You're enjoying life right now, aren't you?
2: Oh, yeah. I'm always, um, always enjoying, um, the touring and, uh, just anything with music for me is, uh, is a good day. You know, I, when I'm off the road, I'm at home. I, I record in a, a studio music studio and, uh, I, I just love music, man. Any time that I'm even talking about it, I'm, I'm into it.
0: And finally, somebody downloads your music and they plug in their headphones and they say, I'm going to really give this a good listen. And I really think that your music really helps if you're listening with some earbuds or headphones on because there's so many rich textures and harmonies and everything. And you guys have really, really got this down. What do you want them to think? What do you want them to feel? What are you trying to say with the album The Distance?
2: Um, it's just an honest representation of, uh, where my head's been at the past few years and, um, the influences that I I grew up on. You can really hear on this record. It's my first ever release, you know, so a lot of these songs have been living for a few years, you know, some more so than others. Some have been in my head for almost 10 years. So, um, it's much, as much of a release for me to get it out in a relief than anything else, um. You know, it's just like anything else as an artist, you want to get your work out um, to the masses to get some sort of reaction. And um, I'm just happy that it's finally
0: out there. Robin Taylor-Zander, you are on the launch pad. Let me tell you, this uh, this is really getting ready to take off for you. The album is called The Distance, High and Low what am i to do is another great track from the album the title track is great and you'll be hearing all those on k wolf as we continue to unveil the music of mr robin taylor zander with the album the distance robin it was a pleasure talking to you best of luck to you and uh, i'm sure we're going to run into each other down the line thanks very much hey anytime thanks for having me. how can you tell me that this is the story of our you can hear that Cheap Trick influence, but can you hear the Beach Boys influence right there? Nice kid. And by the way, we found out we live about 15 minutes away from each other in Florida. So we're going to go have lunch next week sometime. I'll let you know how that goes too. All right. My voice is shot, folks. I got nothing left. I'm surprised I made it through the entire podcast. I'm going to go suck down some tea and lemon and stuff like that and see if we can uh, have at it again tomorrow. All right. The workload is a little heavier these days. As we said, 101.5 and 101.7 on K-Wolf every morning and then here for the podcast. And we are here at 11 o'clock every weekday morning at jcontheline.com. You may email me at jc at jcontheline.com. Facebook, The Showgram with J.C. Corcoran. Have a great day. Good to be back. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. The J.C.
1: Corcoran Podcast.